Good evening. I'm Kate France. And I'm Tabby Tyler. Tonight we ask the question, who the hell is Andrew Johnson? So grab a beverage. It's time for a night in. On September 24th, Nancy Pelosi initiated an impeachment proceeding against Donald Trump. And on October 31st, 2019, the House voted 232 to 196 to establish procedures for public hearings. But we all know this. This episode is not going to be a play-by-play of that process, but an exploration of the previous three instances in history where impeachment proceedings against presidents have been initiated, starting with Andrew Johnson. Yes. When we began researching for this podcast, both Tabby and I had the, who the hell is Andrew Johnson reaction? And it's not that we'd never heard of him. No, it's that we didn't know anything about him. Nothing. So I decided to do a little street research and ask around. And while I was bartending, I asked one of the bar patrons who Andrew Johnson was. And he replied, oh, that asshole? (laughs) I had uh, the same interaction with my husband, who said, that's the guy who tried to undo all of Lincoln's progress. And it's funny, because we never really hear about this guy. Which is probably because he's voted pretty consistently as one of the worst presidents ever in all of our history. And I guess we should use this opportunity to go into why. Andrew Johnson was born into abject poverty and never went to school. In fact, he didn't learn to write until his wife taught him in his early 20s. The one consistency in history is that without a smart woman, most men of note would have been nothing. Johnson was added to Lincoln's ticket as vice president in 1864 after serving as both a representative and a governor to Tennessee. He was chosen to balance the ticket as a union-supporting Southern Democrat in contrast to the far more progressive Republican stance of Lincoln. And it worked. They easily won. However, after Lincoln was assassinated in 1865, Johnson became the 17th President of the United States and was saddled with the worst job ever, the reconstruction of the U.S. after the Civil War. Johnson, as a Democrat of the time, wanted to treat the post-war South with leniency and allow Southern states to determine the fates of freed slaves. And I understand how being pro-state autonomy is commendable, but like, no, that's how you get slaves again. Exactly, which is why he immediately became at odds with radical Republicans in Congress who wished to punish secessionists and ensure the voting rights of freed slaves. His enmity against Congress led him to veto almost every bill they proposed, seemingly out of spite alone. And in doing so, he turned down bills that would have helped former slaves, like the Freedmen's Bureau Bill. Ultimately, the final straw for Congress was when Johnson attempted to remove from office the Secretary of War, Edwin Stanton, without the approval of Congress. He specifically appointed Ulysses S. Grant to the position while the Senate was not in session, which was a direct conflict with the Tenure of Office Act, an act put in place specifically to protect Edwin Stanton in his position. 
And it sounds funny that Congress would authorize an act to protect specifically one man, but the relationship between Stanton and Johnson was far from cordial, Stanton being very openly in disagreement with Johnson's handling of Reconstruction. The act's purpose was to require the president to seek the Senate's advice and consent before removing any member of his cabinet. Ulysses S. Grant, unsurprisingly, wanted nothing to do with the office of Secretary of War, but believed that Reconstruction and Freedmen's rights were too important to leave in the hands of a conservative, so he accepted the position. His appointment was short-lived, however, for when Congress reconvened, they passed a measure in protest of the dismissal of Stanton and had him reinstated into office. Grant stepped down willingly. Obviously, this put Johnson at odds with the legislative branch and worsened the aforementioned enmity between the houses. On February 21st, 1868, Johnson attempted to replace Stanton once more by circumventing the Tenure of Office Act again, this time with General Lorenzo Thomas. With this fresh attempt at removal, Stanton literally barricaded himself in his office and had to be forced to remove himself and hand over all files. Just thinking about it makes me picture Rudy Giuliani or some other Trump minion barricaded in their office and refusing to hear their inevitable, you're fired. (laughs) Congress decided at this point that they frankly have had what I politely posit as, quote, enough of his shit and began formal impeachment proceedings against the president. Three days later, on February 24th, President Johnson was impeached. His formal impeachment hearing took place on March 13th and ended on May 26th. The results were in. Johnson was acquitted by narrowly avoiding the two-thirds majority vote necessary to have him removed from office by only one vote. Edwin Stanton proceeded to turn in his resignation. And thus ended the first ever impeachment hearing. Johnson ultimately lost his bid for re-election and went on to do whatever grumpy old men do. And historical best boy Ulysses S. Grant became the next president of the United States. We're going to take a quick break. So hey, it's November. Oh, you know what that means? I know what that means. That means that the first episode of Model Memoirs is going to be released. On the 28th. Which is also Thanksgiving. Excellent. Well, we have a lot of thanks to be giving, and we're very excited to hear Rachel Reed talk about her life as a model in the modeling industry. It's unphotoshopped, completely real, it's emotional, it's funny, it's a great listen, and it's a great way to hide from your family and friends on a day when you're trapped in a house with them. Good point. Bring your headphones. Yeah, absolutely. Or your Bose speakers. Oh, yeah. Force your entire family to listen to Rachel Reed's heartfelt memoirs. (laughs) I cut you off. (laughs) I just really wanted to say it. (laughs) Hang on. Model memoirs. Okay. (laughs) So the next president to undergo impeachment proceedings was Richard Nixon. But he was never impeached. He resigned before Congress even got that far. But it really makes you think. What if he had just petulantly denied any wrongdoing? Would he have been removed from office? He did the right thing by admitting wrongdoing. But our current president constantly lies and denies any wrongdoing and appears to be rewarded for it. Yeah, I have a bizarre feeling that had Nixon just eschewed appropriate behavior, he may have been able to use the public nature of impeachment proceedings to sway public opinion in his favor. 
I don't know. There was a lot of shit they had against him. <laughs> yeah, but I mean, look at Clinton. He lied under oath and people ended up liking him better. Does this mean that people are just rewarded for avoiding accountability? I, I feel like it. In big bureaucracy, it's easier to dump blame on someone who is willing to put themselves on the chopping block and penalize them for doing what was right. Uh, I suppose we should talk, though, about history and not political philosophy. <laughs> so tell me about what Nixon actually did. Well, extremely long story short, Nixon was making efforts to stay in office by participating in multiple nefarious endeavors. Members of his re-election campaign were caught breaking into the offices of the Democratic National Committee headquarters in the Watergate office buildings. They were guilty of stealing documents and wiretapping phones. Nixon took great pains to hide the evidence that implicated him. But it wasn't enough, and the hard evidence, whether financial connections or actual recorded conversations, was deemed more than sufficient to start the impeachment process. Nixon, however, decided to remove himself from office, cementing himself as one son of a expletive deleted. <laughs> In his resignation speech, Nixon quoted, I will have hastened the start of that process of healing, which is so desperately needed in America. He also expressed compunction, saying, I deeply regret any injuries that may have been done in the course of events that led to this decision. So can we talk about how the anonymous whistleblower in the Nixon impeachment proceedings was called Deep Throat? Can we have a cool anonymous alias for our current whistleblower? I'm really sick of whistleblower. Yeah, but like, well, seeing as how Deep Throat was half in reference to a popular 70s porn, can we call him Inside Rim Job? <laughs> or uh, <laughs> Hep A Roulette? <laughs> speaking, speaking of sex acts... Enter Bill Clinton. <laughs> yes, in 1998, Slick Willie was impeached for lying under oath about his affair with Monica Lewinsky, but he was not removed from office. Thus far, we have not had a president removed from office following impeachment. It's important to note that it had been over a hundred years since the last president was impeached when the proceedings against Nixon started. That's a hundred years of presidents starting wars, misappropriating funds, having affairs, and in general doing all kinds of shady stuff. But then another 25 years between Nixon and Clinton, and now 21 between Clinton and Trump. If the legislative branch was a serial killer, the FBI would be especially concerned about the escalation between impeachment proceedings. Yes, they are killing the office. And of course, the FBI would ask why the serial killer is shortening its cooling off period. It's important to ask why three presidents in such a comparatively short period of time are undergoing this process. I think there's a correlation between the access the public has to what's going on in the White House through TV news, the internet, and social media. I, I think you bring up an interesting point when you say that the information age may be contributing to the increasing prevalence of impeachment proceedings. I mean, people have access to what is happening and can form opinions about it, and urge their representatives to act. Not doing so makes Congress seem weak or lazy. Yeah, public opinion didn't seem to be the point back during the first trial. Johnson was getting in the way of administrative work. It was a matter of course to solve a problem that was in the way of reunifying a broken nation. 
But now with the movement of information and the ability for the public to be more politically involved, public opinion appears to be a great contributor to the decision to impeach. In contrast to the outcry for an impeachment hearing for Donald Trump, many Democrats are also asking what the point of the impeachment process is at this juncture, when Mitch McConnell has explicitly stated that the proceedings will go nowhere in the Senate. But that brings us to the ultimate point of impeachment proceedings existing in the first place. The legislative body does not motion towards impeachment because it can be used as political leverage. They pursue impeachment because it is the right thing to do, regardless of whether or not it bolsters their political agenda. The legislative body has a responsibility to adhere to the values of our framers. This is not about getting Trump out of office. This is about maintaining constitutional integrity. That brings us to the close of yet another night show. A night in. <laughs> We're ending the show. Show's over. We'll see you next week. <laughs> That's what happens when I uh, just try to ad-lib what I'm saying. <laughs> I, I'm a regular Joe Biden over here. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Most of my job is telling Kate not to talk. Is that what I'm saying? Don't go off script. Don't, Don't go, go off, off script. script. <laughs> I promise working with you is nowhere near as stressful as being an aide to Joe Biden. Oh, my God, I'm sure. But uh, we want to thank you again for listening and supporting us. Uh, We'd be really grateful if you'd go and give us that five-star rating and tune in next week where we talk about uh, presidential pets. Yes, and please find us on social media, Twitter and Instagram, at Tyler and France, F-R-A-N-T-Z. Let's continue. Let's continue the discussion there. (laughs) We'd love to hear from you. What do you think of the impeachment process of Donald Trump? Yeah. Do you think this has a point? Should we be doing this? Let us know. And uh, until then, bye. Bye. Obviously, this put Johnson at odds with the legislative plant. His enmity against Congress led him to And worsened the aforementioned enmity between the houses. In between. <laughs> <laughs> also, it's A4. A4, thank you. Yeah. A4. I am from Florida. A4. <laughs> aforementioned enmity. <laughs> it gets to a point, and this is what I was doing with enmity, where you are like pronouncing it like you're an alien. <laughs> Like I'm a like I'm a fucking AI on a phone. Uh, yeah. So tell me about what Nixon Nixon. Tell me about what Nixon actually did. Okay.